Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to session five <laughs> of our course on speaking in tongues. If you've watched this all the way through, wow, thank you. Uh, that's, that's a lot of listening. That's a lot of watching. Uh, but I hope that you've done so because you found it helpful and you found it interesting. Uh, in this final session, we just simply want to do one thing. I just kind of want to give a summary and a practical application. But I want to start it with kind of addressing one specific question. Maybe this specific question, uh, maybe it is pertinent to you and the expression of faith that you grew up in. Uh, perhaps it's not. Uh, this was a big one for me. This is one that I get as a pastor often. And so I want to just address this and I want to just take some time to talk about this one main question before I get into, I have a summary of, uh, you know, how are we to piece together all the stuff that we've been talking about and learning about? Uh, the question is simply this, is speaking in tongues, is speaking in tongues the evidence, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, this is something that uh, I grew up hearing uh, the question that was asked, are you filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? In other words, if you didn't speak in tongues, um, you probably weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, they got that from those passages in Acts that I read to you that were a description, but they taught them more as a description. Perhaps you've heard that. And uh, the reason why I think it's important for us to take some time to talk about this is I have sat with uh, a number of different people who couldn't speak in tongues. And because of what was taught to them, uh, they were led to believe that the Holy Spirit wouldn't come and dwell in them. And so they were left asking, what's wrong with me? And that is heartbreaking on so many levels for me. Uh, because I think, well, I think it's going to be clear what the conclusion is, what my conclusion is. And, you know, scripture, if we take all of what it says to look at it, I think that we would give a, a clear answer to this question that no, speaking in tongues is not the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, that you can clearly be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues and, and not do that. Paul does not teach this. In fact, his teachings would lead us to conclude the opposite. Um, let's address this. Luke records instances when tongues followed the filling of the Spirit. I mentioned those in Acts 2.4, Acts 10.44-46, and Acts 19 and verse 6. Now here is the other interesting thing to note. Luke also records three other instances where people were filled with the Holy Spirit and tongues were not mentioned following the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now again, abiding by the old thing, same things I taught. Again, I don't want to turn that into a prescription. It's a description, but it's just interesting to note. Three times Paul describes people being filled with the Holy Spirit and tongues following. Three other times Paul mentions people being filled, or, or, sorry, Luke. Luke mentions three people being, or three uh, times where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't mention tongues didn't follow. Now, could tongues have followed? Yes, it totally could have followed. But obviously Luke didn't think it was important enough or he just didn't include the detail. If they were speaking in tongues after that, he didn't include that. So we can't conclude that they did. Uh, and we can't conclude that a hard no that they didn't. It's just, it's not mentioned there. So there's descriptions that are given to us. Sometimes when it's described, it's there. Sometimes when it's described, it's not. Add to that Paul's teachings, which I'll remind us of here in just a moment. And um, it's pretty clear that no, that, that, that's not the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, the instances where it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but no evidence of tongues followed, or at least it was described, is in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 15 to 16, and Acts chapter 9, verses 17. I will make note of this. Uh, just, again, I want to be clear and open and honest. Let scripture say one of those instances is, is Paul's conversion. It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that he spoke in tongues after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We do see later on that Paul says that he does pray in tongues more than everybody else. Here's what we don't know. We don't know if that happened immediately after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, or we don't know if it was something that happened later on in his development. So what we do know is after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, at some point, it could have been instantly, it could have been later on, he did practice speaking in tongues. In the other instances that are mentioned in Acts, we don't know if they spoke in tongues, uh, you know, eventually later on. Okay. Um, again, and I'll also just remind us of this. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30. Paul, he's going through the list. Are all apostles? Are all teachers? You know, are all this? And he says, do all speak in tongues? And again, the implied answer is no, not Everybody is an apostle, prophet, and not everybody speaks in tongues. Now, some would try to discard that and say, well, that's not talking about the heavenly prayer language. That's talking about uh, just the gift of the spirit. And I would say it could be interpreted that way, but if we're honest, it's not clear. It is not clear. To definitively say that that's the way it is, is to add a layer of structure and to add a layer of, of, um, of being definitive to the scriptures that Paul doesn't even add to it. Again, I will submit to you, the, the scriptures weren't given chapters and verses. Paul was just writing about tongues and it appears it could mean a couple of different things in a couple of different places, but it's not clear. So we shouldn't be more definitive than what the scripture is. So again, I, I just wrote a couple of words of conclusion and a quote from J.I. Packer uh, as we wrap up this one question of, is speaking in tongues the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? I'll say this. I believe this. I believe anyone who definitively claims that speaking in tongues can be practiced by every believer is someone that we should be suspicious of. Again, if they're making a definitive claim, we should be suspicious of, but not necessarily dismissive of, okay? I don't want to cancel culture or anything. It's just, okay, if somebody's making these definitive claims and scripture doesn't make these claims, let's just be cautious, okay? Let's just, okay, you're going a little bit further than scripture. I want to hear you out. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to be a little bit cautious and suspicious of it, but not necessarily dismissive. Why should we be suspicious of that? Because these claims are not made on the basis of scripture. Those who make those types of claims often say themes like, well, you just need to get a revelation about speaking in tongues. They'll appeal to a revelation that they've gotten as they read the scriptures. But here's what I want, to, I want us to acknowledge. Based on our study, and again, we looked at every passage on speaking in tongues. We didn't keep any of them out. Based on our study, I hope you can clearly see that this revelation that they're claiming that we need to get would not would be something that goes beyond the teaching and the scope of scripture and anytime something goes beyond the teaching and the scope of scripture we got to be careful with that we're charting into territory that's not grounded and rooted and submitted under the authority of scripture could there be some truth to gain from it yes but we should move very cautiously. I think we should take J.I. Packer's words to heart. He said this in his book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit, Finding Fullness in Our Walk with God. This was his quote. 
He says, those who know about, those who know that the glossolalia, so this is speaking in tongues as a heavenly prayer language. Those that know that the glossolalia is not God's path for them. So in other words, they can't speak in tongues. And those for whom it is a proven enrichment, all right, so you don't speak in tongues, you do speak in tongues. Both of these people should neither try to impose their own way on the other, nor judge the other's inferior for being different, nor stagger if someone in their camp transfers to the other, believing that God has led him or her to do so. Those who pray with tongues and those who pray without tongues, they do it to the Lord. They stand or fall to their own master, not their fellow servants. And in the same sense that there is in Christ, neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. So in Christ, there is neither a glossolate, those who speak in tongues, or a non-glossolate, those who do not speak in tongues. To which I say a hearty amen, that letting something like tongues compromise Christian unity and compromise us walking together, it's... it's not what we as Christians are called to do. So we need to make sure we're hoping or holding it uh, humbly in an open hand. All right, this brings us to the summary of this course. All right, if you just tuned into the last session to get the summary, here's basically the Coles notes of everything that we have covered. I wrote down 10 different things that I think we can, we can derive from this whole study and from this whole course. Number one, scripture does not say a lot about the gift of tongues but it does say enough. I believe what scripture says is enough and we should receive it for what it says. Number two, speaking in tongues is a gift of God and a gift of the spirit that we should be 100% open to receiving as he wills. Paul was, he encouraged us to be, and I say we should be open to everything that the spirit of God has for us. Number three, Speaking in tongues is not necessarily the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, not everyone will receive the gift of tongues. Anybody that claims to the contrary is doing so not on the basis of Scripture, but based on something outside of Scripture. It's going beyond Scripture. Number four, what Scripture does say leads us to believe that speaking in tongues can mean, and be faithful to Scripture, it can mean a couple of different things. It could mean a gift of evangelism, as is clearly spoken of in Acts 2. It also could mean a heavenly prayer language for personal edification, as seems to be spoken of by Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 14. Number five, if we speak in tongues for personal edification, we should do so privately and not publicly, especially when unbelievers may be present. All right, number six, If we speak in tongues publicly, it should be for the purposes of evangelism and corporate edification. And so therefore, a tongue should be accompanied by an interpretation. Okay? Number seven, the predominant understanding of tongues throughout the history of the church has been tongues is simply a gift of evangelism, whereby one can miraculously speak in a foreign language. Number eight, 
the primary debate around tongues throughout church history has not been whether it's a heavenly prayer language or whether it's a gift of evangelism, but it was rather around whether or not as a gift of evangelism, was it a miracle of speaking or hearing? I just find that so fascinating, but I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I like that kind of stuff. All right. Number nine, in the last 120 years due to the rise of Pentecostalism, which I believe is a very good thing, the primary understanding of speaking in tongues in the church and amongst Christians has shifted to a heavenly prayer language for personal edification. And then number 10, today people continue to testify and report of receiving the gift of tongues. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's something to celebrate. So this brings us to the end of our journey about praying in tongues. I hope you found this interesting. I hope you found it clarifying I hope for some, maybe if we've held it a little too tightly, I hope we've transitioned it a little bit more into an open hand. I hope this has helped us to grow in understanding and humility and walk in humility with those that maybe come from a different perspective on us. I hope you can have a better grasp of how we got to where we are in our understanding about speaking in tongues. But more than anything, I hope, I hope that you see that God has many gifts that he wants to give to us. Gifts that are given through his son Christ and gifts that are given through the Holy Spirit who is with us and in us and dwells among us. And my prayer for you is that you would be open, open to everything that the Spirit of God wants to give to you and wants to do in you and might want to do through you. And to that, I hope we can all say, yes, be it unto us, Father, as you will. Thank you for joining me.